I know going into this throwback, what I felt like the Lord told me this month is what I'm to do. The word he was giving me was, you know, we preached on where we were going through most of this pandemic. But I felt like the Lord told me, we need to take a minute and pull back and bring back some things because everything we've been through has gotten us to a place where a lot of us have forgotten where we came from. And this show ALF stood for Alien Life Force, the story to it. And if you are younger than, I would say, 25, you probably don't remember this. You can catch it on Hulu. My girls are going through them now. But uh, the, um, going back to the number thing, one thing we need to remember is this. None of us were ever created to live eternally here. None of us were. And the truth of the matter is, the Bible says that we are those that have accepted God, those that have, have allowed Jesus to become their Lord and Savior, they are now aliens and strangers. Meaning that this story was about an alien life form that came to a planet he did not belong in, and he found himself having to live with a family he was not like. He looked different. He talked different. He ate different. He ate cats, do you remember? So a lot of things, he was constantly trying to eat the family cat. And um, it, was, it was a great, but bring out the, I want to bring back today, I want to, the throwback for me today is this. We need to remember who we are. Amen. Remember what you're here for. Remember what this is all about. And we'll make sense in that in just for a moment. Like I told you, a story about Isla. That was one of those moments where I wanted to just stand up in front of everybody and say, this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Because she did one of those moments that, you know, you're just like, wow. But in the Bible, the Bible tells a story about when Jesus was baptized, that a voice from heaven came. And it said, this is my beloved son. And he didn't just stop there. He didn't just recognize his identity. He didn't just tell everybody, this is the Messiah and the Son of God is coming. He went on to say this, and in whom I am well pleased. Now that's a powerful statement. To think that we have the ability to please God. Now you say, Craig, this is a very simple message because if you wanted to title it, you could title it, Pleasing God. But what I've learned over the years is it's usually the little things that have the greatest impacts. The Bible said that um, it's little foxes spoil the vine. I was listening to a preacher years ago, even before I was into really listening to preachers. <laughs> now that I'm a preacher, I love listening to the Word. But, but, and this preacher told a story that I've never forgotten. And he told this story about how when him and his wife had retired, they bought a huge... Uh, uh, RV. It was one that you pull behind the vehicle and uh, they had planned all their life to work and then they were going to try and then they were going to travel the country and enjoy their later years. And so they bought this new RV. The first week they took it out, you know, everything was new. They were having to get everything, learn to get everything set up. So they took it and went camping for a week and uh, set everything up. And then after they were through at that spot, they were going to leave. But what you do in an RV is you, after you use it for a week, you pull it to a waste station. Usually, most places that have RV have a place where you dump your waste because all the water and all the other stuff that are used in a camper go into a waste tank. And so you go and you empty your waste tank. Well, they pulled this camper up to this waste, waste station, and he got out, and this first time he was ever going to empty it, and he walked around to the side, opened up the... Um, flap of the RV, and it said under there, it says, fill tank with 100 PSIs. And so it does what I said, what you do is you put air in the system, and then you go and open the other side, and it blows all the waste out. And so he took the air uh, compressor thing and began to pump it. And he said, man, I tried, and I tried, and I tried. He said, and, and after like 10, 15 minutes, I only had like 10, 12 pounds in there. He said, and I'm supposed to get it to 100. He said, so he kept going, and kept going, and kept going. After about 30, 45 minutes of trying to get in there, he said, as far as I could get it to, it was about 86 PSIs. He said, man, and it would not do no more. He said, I was thinking something was wrong with the compressor. You know, so we were, I had, he said, all I knew to do was just try to empty it with 86 pounds of pressure in it. So he says, as he was walking around to the other side to release, a brand new bus type RV comes rolling in. $100,000 
RV that's just immaculate. And the guy got out of it really proud. And the uh, preacher was like, you know, I love your RV. And he said, yeah, we just got it. And he told him all that it did. And he said, it was so beautiful. It was so amazing. And he said, um, you know, this first time it's been out. And we're going to do this. He said, he's wiping it down as he's talking to him. He says, and as they begin to talk, the preacher remembered what he was doing. So he reached over to grab the valve to let the waste out. And when he pulled the lever, he said, who in water blew like a cannon out of their camper and blew all over the side of this brand new bus, blew all over the side of the guy that was standing there. And the guy just in shock began to cuss and yell and scream about all the mess that was everywhere. And the preacher said he couldn't believe what just happened, didn't understand what just happened. So the guy with the big bus RV was grabbing, he's like, man, I don't know how this happened, I don't know how this happened. And so the guy with the big bus RV covered in poo and slime and water now says, come with me. He walked over to the other side. They lifted the other side again where it says, fill with 100 PSI. He said, I did that, but I couldn't get it to about 86. He says, you missed something very important. It doesn't say 100. It says 100. Point zero. And it was a little bitty dot right between them two zeros. And that little bitty dot changed everything. And because that little bitty dot was ignored, it made a huge mess on everybody around and it ended up costing him a lot to get it cleaned and washed and on. But he got a great story to preach with. What I'm talking about today is a simple and what a lot of people seem like is a little thing. But it is the most important thing as a Christian and as a born-again believer that we will ever live for. God has given us the ability that He has not given anything else on this planet the ability to do, and that is to please God. Everything else God is in control of, everything else God can, can control and do at His will. The Bible says the uh, heart of a king is in the hand of the Lord. You can move it like He does a river. It's, it's, you know, God is in sovereign and in control of everything. The only thing God can't control is whether or not you or me choose to please Him. But the truth of the matter is, that's all you were born for. That is your destiny, and that's what God put you here to do. The greatest accomplishment you will ever do or be in your life will be someone that said that God will say, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. Now, you've got to understand this about God because a lot of people believe this about God. A lot of people believe that God loves everyone. And you know they're right. 100% right. God loves every single person. He loves every single person so much that there's nothing you can do or have ever done that would keep God from being able to or wanting to love you. There's no place you can go that's too far that God's love will not chase you into. There won't be any place you can run too fast that the hand of God is not reaching to grab you back and pull you back out of that end. God loves you so much. There's absolutely no mistake, no failure, no consequence, no, no sin, no anything that can be done that can separate you from the love of God. And so when God made that statement, this is my beloved son, a lot of us, well, you know, we know God loves us. You know, I didn't really understand this principle here until I had daughters. Because, you know, it's real easy for me to say I love everybody. But the truth is, um, I can love a lot of people, but my love has bounds. In other words, there are certain things you can do to me that my love will not reach past. <laughs> and I'm just being truthful. And, and, until I had daughters. And now that I had daughters, I can tell you this. There's nothing my girls could ever do. There's no distance. There's no far. There's no mistake my girls could ever make that could keep me from loving them. Because that's what a father's love is. And I can't explain it. I just know it. Now, that's the way God is. I mean, my girls can call me any name they want to. They can, they can go and commit any sin they want. And I'm still going to love them. But there's a difference in loving someone and being pleased with them. And when God said, God said from heaven, He said, this is my beloved Son, He didn't stop there. He said this next statement. He said, in whom I am well pleased. Now, my daughters are making this transition in life. One of them is going from a kid to a preteen. And 
before preteen, man, my girls loved nothing more than to make me and to make Jennifer happy and proud. They, I mean, I'm telling you, on Mother's Day, Father's Day, they would go in and make the biggest, craziest mess you could imagine in the kitchens just so that we would, you know, be so proud and, and, and pleased with them bringing us breakfast. There was no cost too high for them. They used to take their Christmas money and, you know, go buy mom and dad little Christmas gifts. But something began to change about a year ago. And Lexi no longer so much cares about making me happy so much as she does about making her happy so much. And so where me and Lexi find ourselves a lot of times is, is, you know, I'm trying to teach Lexi things and trying to get her to understand, but she's becoming Lexi, and what she's realized is, you know, pleasing daddy's not so important at certain times. And i got to be honest with you, there are times now that her attitude doesn't please me, her language doesn't please me. I mean, there, there are things she does now that as a dad, I love her. But I'm not so pleased. And I'm not picking on my baby. She's probably watching. She probably said, it's all the girls. <laughs> but the importance of pleasing me is, is changing. And I'm saying that to say this. I'm not talking about it because I was the world's worst when it came to my dad. What I'm saying is a lot of times in our Christian walk, the longer we've been walking with the Lord, we can lose the importance. Of we love God, but we can lose the importance of pleasing God. I'm pumped about this also starting next Sunday. Wade and Misty are going to start a what we're calling a new believers class uh, at 9.30 on Sunday mornings back in our youth room. Uh, we're going through the fundamental steps of new believers. Uh, while it'll be while we... Um, you know, water baptized, why, you know, we, it's important that we study the Word. It's, they'll be going through it. And so if you want, if you're not real sure about your fundamental basics of new believing or believers' lifestyles, next Sunday morning, 930, we're going to be in the blue room down the hall. Come. We're going to have a power. I'm excited about making the principles of what we, we're throwing everything back. Because through everything that we've been through in this season, it's real easy for us to get away from what we were before. And before, like when we first got saved, we understood we didn't want anything more than to please God. We understood the importance of that little thing. We understood getting up in the morning and understanding that today has been given to me a gift. And the gift that God's given me today is this time frame. And in this time frame, I got the ability and the power and the choice that I can please God in this day. And nothing else on the planet can except us. David said this, Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is in within me. I mean, you and I have the power within ourselves to make our Heavenly Father, God, the Sovereign, Creator of it all, so proud and so pleased. And I know this. There's nothing more than the enemy would like to do than for us to have walked through what we've walked through and we lose the importance of this one principle. How important it is that we please God. Because not only is it important to God, but God rewards us with a life that we do not deserve for doing it. I want to read, we're going to jump right into Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11 verse 5, tells the story of a man named Enoch. And it says this, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Now, that's a pretty amazing thing, especially in times like we're in now. I mean, I, I personally lost my first personal contacted friend to COVID last week. It's, you know, he was in good health, contracted COVID a little over a week and a half ago, and five days later, I got the call that he had passed. A good friend of mine. We're facing real things here. I love the fact how the Bible says that here in Enoch, and you got to understand, in Enoch, Enoch was a, a character out of Genesis. He shows up on the scene after everything started falling apart. See, Adam and Eve were in the garden when everything was still good. You remember back when everything was good? Here Enoch finally shows up on the scene after the fall and after things had started falling apart and people began to die and those kind of things. And the Bible says this, that Enoch, it says in Hebrew, it says, by faith, Enoch was translated 
He should not see death, and he was not found. I have found this in my own personal life. The greatest protection of anything that I can walk through, even the COVID-19, even better than a face mask, the greatest protection I can have in my life is to please God with my lifestyle. When I choose to please God with my life, it puts me in a place of protection like nothing else can. I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you that, you know, uh, uh, yeah, well, I won't go back to here. But the greatest protection in life is to please God. But it said this, he, he did not see death and he was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Now, out of every testimony that I think I should have, and I know some powerful testimonies, and I've been through some hell and back, and I feel like I have some pretty strong testimonies. But this is the greatest testimony I have ever heard of anyone ever having, and it said this. He had this testimony. It says, that he pleased God. You know, being delivered from drugs and being able to walk away from what the world had done to somebody's life and you know, have a whole new beginning. That's a pretty powerful testimony. Being healed from cancer and still living after the doctor says you have no... That's a powerful testimony. But the most powerful testimony that you could ever have in your life is to have the one Enoch had. It says that he pleased God. When I die, my prayer, when I go to heaven... Or if the Lord comes back before I die, I pray that I hear this voice that say that I'm pleased. I hope, I pray, I desire that when I walk in heaven, God said this, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That is the desire of every Christian heart should be. That's for us to be and live a way that when we walk into the presence of God, He says, I'm very pleased with what you did. So my question is this. Have we been living... The last week, last month, last however long, in a way that you believe would please God. Because it's real easy for us to miss the dot when it comes to how we're supposed to do things. It's real easy for us to understand that God loves us so much that He gives us grace and forget, but we can overlook the dot that there's also a responsibility that God calls for us and that's us to live in a way that's pleasing to Him. Now, if you go to Genesis, we, you go to Genesis, the story of Enoch says this. It's in Genesis 5, 22, it says this. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Now, this is the story of Enoch, and it begins to tell in just a few, four verses, it says this, though, that Enoch didn't just get saved right at the end of his life, which I'm thankful. I've been at the deathbeds of people that right before they died, they lived their life completely how they wanted to, doing whatever and however, but when they came to a certain point, they started looking at it, all of a sudden, boom, they get right with the Lord right before they go, and man, we celebrate heaven, but I believe this. God's not pleased with that. God's thankful, but He's not pleased. The Bible says that Enoch here, there were 300 years that Enoch walked with the Lord. My question is, is how long have you been walking with the Lord? And how long do you plan to? Because, see, 300 years please God. As long as he was here, from he now you say, well, he must have been born. Because now if you read the next scripture, it says that he died. In 325, it says he lived to be 365 years. So that means there were 65 years that he didn't. But then there were 300 that he did. One of the greatest things that I believe that breaks God's heart is that when someone comes to the knowledge of God, they get saved, they become a child of God, they get excited about God, but somewhere in their growth, somewhere in their walk with the Lord, they get to this place where they don't think pleasing God is that important anymore. And they've come that far down the journey. And then they just get casual and they get easy with it. And they don't think that pleasing God is really that big of an issue anymore. And so they begin to do things the way they used to do them or begin to be who they used to be. Or they begin to live the way they want to live instead of living toward trying to please God, what they were created for. And they served the Lord for 20 years. But then they walked away. I know that the Bible says that God can be pleased. It also lets me know that his heart can be broken. 
And my prayer is that we all understand how important it is that we please God until we die. Or in Enoch's escape. Until it says here in Genesis 5.24, Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more, no more because God took him away. Living a life that pleases the Lord is the most important decision you will ever make. It's more important than all the scriptures that you can quote. It's more important than all the church services you can attend. It's more important than all the Christian friends you can have. Pleasing God has to become the very single most important decision that you make on a daily basis. You deciding that my life was gives, I belong to God and my life, God gave me this life. And David said, Lord, teach me to number my days because David understood that every single day that he was on this earth had a purpose. God created that day for a reason and that the purpose and reason for that day was for David to be able to get up and spend that day pleasing God. If somebody comes up and asks me, Cricket, what do you think God's purpose for my destiny for? To get up every day and please the Lord. And what comes out of you getting up every day and pleasing the Lord? The Bible says in one translation, it says, and he calls Enoch to escape. I've learned this. When I make the decision to please God with the way that I walk, with the way that I talk, with the way that I, where I go, what I watch, when I make the decision to please the Lord with the actions that I take, I make the decision to please the Lord with the people that I run with, when I make that decision, the things that should have destroyed me, God creates a way of escape for me. I've gotten out of more messes than I deserve to ever get out of. And you say, well, Cricket, why? Because there were things that I went that I, I, when I made the decision I want to please the Lord, He calls the way of escape for me. I've seen people, I, I loved Wade's testimony because when he came into this church a little over a year ago, he came in and he had a history of drugs and had a history of alcohol, had a history of brokenness in his life. But when he made the commitment to please the Lord with his life, it was over. God caused an escape in drugs and alcohol. It was gone. You want to know how to get out of the mess that you're in? Make the decision. I'm going to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And the Bible says that God will make a way of escape for you. Now, you say, well, Cricket, this is so simple and easy. What, what are you talking about? Let me, let me try to explain a little bit more what pleasing God actually is. If you go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says this. Now, Paul was telling a young preacher here, and this is what he said. He said, No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. It says, That he may please whom he had chosen him to be a soldier. What does that say? And Paul said, Timothy, do not let the affairs of this life entangle you because they will keep you from being able to please God. When me and Jim bought the house that we have now, it's, um, it, when we first bought it, it was so overgrown and so um, you know, out of shape. It, the house was there, but about 15 foot around the whole house, it's like the woods had come right up to it. It wasn't real woods, it was just thicket. And so, because they had not been taken care of, we put it. So when we got it, over the last several years, we've been cutting it back. We actually have an acre. And over the last, we've cut, we've cut it all the way back to the perimeter lines. Now I can't believe how much grass I have to mow every day, every week. But it's a huge yard, but it was overgrown. And, but in the process of it, when we were moving things back, there's a huge tree. It's about this big around. And when we got the house, I thought the tree was dead. And as we began to cut the wood line back and things like that, it, when we got to it, it's something I'd never seen before. The tree had vines growing up it. And they had been growing up it and so, at such a long time period that it, they had completely surrounded the tree. It was like there was a level of vine skin around the entire tree. And when it went up into the branches, vines covered every part of every branch. It was like, that's what I, what, the way we did was, I, I didn't know what to do. I thought the tree was dead. So I thought we would eventually have to cut it down. So, but I took a chainsaw, and the, the vines weren't green. They were been there so long, they were, they were brown. looked just like bark, but it was like it had a coat on. So I took a chainsaw, and I cut around the whole tree and cut all the vines. The tree still has a scar where I went too deep in a couple of places. But when I cut it around like that, you know, we moved on and kept working on stuff. But over the last couple of years, what happened was those vines died. 
And now every time a big storm comes through, huge amounts of vine fall out of the tree and hit the ground. I mean, huge. Like one whole side of the tree one time came off like a big old piece of bark came off, but it was all intertwined vines. As we cut the vines off, they died, and now as they dry out, they're beginning to fall. Every time we have a storm, they're still falling, just big things of vine. And it's been like two years. But... What we didn't know when we first got to that it was a pecan tree. You couldn't tell what kind of tree it was. And there was no evidence of pecans anywhere. This vine had grown up on these trees to the point where it was choking the very life out of this tree. And it was not producing any kind of a fruit. We cut this off and for the last two years, this tree has produced more pecans than I want to deal with. Every time I mow my yard now, I had to put a a mulching kit on my mower because uh, not too long ago I was mowing through the yard and I was shooting so many pecans at the house, I busted a window out. This tree was not producing fruit until the things that were entangling it were cut off. Paul's telling Timothy this. He said, you know what? God, your purpose here, he said, is to please God. He said, but if you allow the things of this life to entangle you, it will keep you from being able to do what you were created to do. You will not be able to please God with the things in the affairs of this world entangling you. So what do you do? We live in a world full of things that will entangle you. Well, you become an elf, all right? You, you understand that you were never born to be. The Bible says don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It means we're to live here, but be different. We're to live here, but we're to have a purpose that is not like the world's purpose, where they may get up to try to pay bills, or they may get up and try to make things work. We live here to be able to get up and please God. And when we understand the greatest thing, the greatest accomplishment you will ever accomplish in your life for your children and even for your children's children will be not the amount of money you leave in the bank, but the amount of days you spend pleasing the Lord. Because be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little feet where you go. When we go, the generations behind us are affected. I know this, the reason why I serve the Lord today is because I had a father that chose to spend his life serving and pleasing the Lord. The greatest impact you'll ever have on this planet are the days that you make the decision to please God. Now, the Bible here says that the things of this world can entangle you. I was, when I used to travel and uh, speak at public schools. I was, I was, there was a season where I was on the D.A.R.E. circuit and I, w- I would travel around and speak at the D.A.R.E. conferences and I was speaking one year at the International D.A.R.E. conference for the high schools and um, it was actually held in the state of Arkansas that year. And they had a state trooper come on before me and Lord, after he got done, I said, man, I do not want to watch it. Kind of like after Kayla got up here and danced. I did not want to get up here and follow that. But this state trooper got on the stage and he told this story that happened in Clinton, Arkansas. He said this. He said, you know, there was a sheriff that lived up there in the county. Clinton, Arkansas has a big lake built out, I mean, out on the outside of it. And he got up and as he drove his patrol car around, he saw one day a little boy, and I don't remember the name. It's been so, but I'm going to call him Johnny. Johnny was sitting on the bank fishing. The sheriff pulled up. He knew everybody in the small town. Guys, like, hey, Johnny. Man, how you doing? You catching anything? And Johnny said, oh, yeah. And he picked up a stringer, and it was full of several big bass, big fish. And the sheriff was shocked. So how in the world were you, what are you, man, what are you using for bait? And Johnny said, well, I've got a can of stinging worms. And the sh- uh, sheriff didn't know what stinging worms were. So he walked over and Johnny said, yeah, I got up this morning and went out to the brush pile behind the house and I found a whole bunch of stinging worms in here. And the cop looked over and looked inside the can and a cop slapped the can out of Johnny's hand and said, those aren't stinging worms, those are snakes. And he grabbed Johnny, threw him in the car. 11-mile ride to the hospital. When they pulled up to the hospital, Johnny was dead. And then the state trooper goes and tells this why. He said, because what was going on was they were, he had found a ground rattler nest. And every time he stuck his hand in that bucket, I mean that can, to get a little worm out and put it on the, the snakes for biting him on his fingertips. And all seemed fine. He just thought they were little stings. He had no idea all along what was going inside of him was powerful enough to kill him. But it didn't kill him right away. It wasn't until the cop slapped the can out of his hand 
and told him them aren't worms, them are steaks, that it put the kid into adrenaline. His heart began to beat out of fear. And an 11-mile ride, which probably took less than five minutes because it was a cop and they drive the way they want to. And so they were flying. He died because the poison circulated through his body and got to his heart. And the state trooper stood on that stage that day. He said this, the moral of this is this. Some people have so much fun doing whatever they want to do, however they want to do it. They don't realize the very thing they're doing is destroying their life. See, any life besides one that is chosen to please the Lord... You may be having so much fun getting to do it the way you want to do it, getting to go where you want to go, getting to hang out who you want to hang out with, but you have to know this, that there will be a day that going to come to, the Bible says anything done in the flesh brings forth death. Enoch was the only one since the fall of man that did not go by the grave. and It was because the Bible says he walked with God. And it pleased the Lord. Now see, you and I were both created to walk with God and please the Lord. And if we will understand that's the most important decision we can ever make, I'm telling you, the things that take everybody else out will not take you and I out. Go back to the very beginning. When God created Adam, the first thing God did, God created Adam to walk with him every day. And as long as Adam was getting up and walking with him every day, Adam would never have died. But the Bible says there was a time that Adam was up. And he was walking around the garden, but he wasn't walking with God. And you need to know this. Anytime you're up and you're not walking with God, someone is leading you. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger. They will not follow. Anytime I'm not walking or living a life that is pleasing to the Lord and I'm not hearing God speak to me, then someone else is. And this is what happens. When you move your life to a place where it's not as important anymore to please the Lord as it used to be, you will find yourself walking into places and you'll begin to have different voices speaking to you. And the problem with different voices speaking to you is they will tell you things that will seem right, feel right, hear or sound right, but they will not be right. And what they will always do, they will always cause you to question what God said. The very first question mark in the Bible happened that day. God didn't ask the first question and man didn't ask the first question. The Bible says that day that Adam and Eve were not walking with God at that time, that a snake began to say, did God really say? I've watched people. I personally have found myself there when pleasing God wasn't as important as it was anymore. I would hear voices say, did God really say? Then I would find myself in situations where did God really say He would provide all my needs? Did God really say He could heal me from this cancer? Did God really say that He could forgive me for what I've done? Did God? When you find yourself having to question what God said, you need to find out what it is in your life that is not pleasing to the Lord. But the Bible says that when He listened to that voice, at that moment when he started questioning and he quit walking with God. Because the Bible says when God came down that day to walk, Adam had hid from him. And I was like, Adam, where are you? God was saying, Adam, where are you? If we allow ourselves to get to a place where we walk, not pleasing to the Lord, we'll find ourselves in a place where our lives will begin to fall apart. He lost his kid. One of them died. The others, you know, were bad. It was just... His entire world and the entire history fell apart on a day when Adam didn't realize it was that important to please God. You say, Cricket, is this big? Is it this important? Absolutely. Most important thing you ever do in your life is please God. Now, you say, Well, Cricket, how do I do that? Well, the Bible is very clear how we can please God. And I'm so excited about it because that means if I can displease Him, and those kind of things happen in our lives, then it means this, that if I choose to please Him, everything that I desire, everything that I was created for, becomes a reality. The first way that you are to please God, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, it says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
That means this. All I have to do is live by faith and I can please God. But you need to know this. God loves you and God loves me very enough that if we don't choose to live by faith, God will allow circumstances and situations to bring us to a point where we have to have faith. I can either live and strive or I can try to live and survive with my faith. I can only use my faith when something's wrong, something's broken, something's sick or somebody left me. Or I can get up every day and say, today's going to be a day that I'm going to do something great and mighty for the Lord. Today I'm going to have the faith. I'm going to be the best husband I can possibly. Today's going to be the day that I believe that God's going to give me the strength to be and speak to people. You can use your faith at the beginning of the day or you'll go to bed on a lot of days needing to use faith. Because God loves you enough that He's going to position you into a place where you're going to have a chance to please Him. He doesn't make it difficult. So number one, it takes faith. And you can choose to live by faith or you can choose to survive by faith. I've just decided that I've survived by faith long enough. I'm going to get up every day and decide I'm going to live by faith today. I'm going to find out what God says. I'm going to walk with Him in the morning. I'm going to hear what He has to tell me and I'm going to walk it out the rest of the day. I will live by faith. The Bible says the righteous and the just shall live by faith. I'm tired of being a broken Christian. Always need a miracle. I'm ready to be a Christian that is pleasing to the Lord and I do miraculous works and God uses me in miraculous ways. And it starts when I choose to live by faith. Number two, be spiritually minded. To please God. The Bible says here, it says in Romans 6, 8, 6 through 10, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is, a, is enmity against God. For it is not subject of the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, there are, there, for, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Meaning this, the way I think has the power to determine whether I please God. I just can't think any way I want to. I can't just think about anything I want to. I have to make a decision that I'm going to think the way God tells me to think. And you say, well, Greg, what, I mean, we can't think about, you know, girls, or we can't think about drugs. No, i got to tell you this. The way I think about people is pleasing to God or not too. If I allow myself to walk around and think bad about people all the time, that's who He created that's who he died for what do I have a right to think anything negative about something that God's done you need to understand Paul when he was in the worst situation of his life he was facing death he was imprisoned for the last time he was not getting out he'd been there for years they brought him before the magistrates and they said what do you got to say for yourself and it said this he says I think myself happy I may be sitting in jail my life may be fixing in but I'm not going to let myself think that God has failed me. I'm not going to let God, myself think that others have abandoned me. I'm going to think myself happy. And then he begins to tell everything that God did for him in his life. Your thought life has to be under control if you're going to please God. Number three, you have to fear God. Psalms 147.11 says, As the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him. And then it goes on to help. But this, so you say, what does that mean? What does that mean? God is pleased... When I understand the relationship that me and him have, have to be respected and it has certain rules. Every relationship we, you have in your life has to be respected or has to follow a certain amount of rules or it's not a relationship. What I mean, not every relationship's the same. Let me explain it like this. Me and Jennifer, Jennifer's my wife. I'm married to her. I know a lot of ladies. I know a lot of women. But... The rules that me and Jennifer have in our relationship are different than any relationship I have with any other woman. And when I have up here and I choose to honor and respect those rules because of the relationship that I have with Jennifer, I have a blissful great marriage. I'll be honest with you. The, I, when I got married, I thought one of the hardest things in the world would be for me. I'm not a jewelry guy. was to wear a ring. I'm so proud to say, 16 years, I still got the same ring. How awesome is that? I would have thought I loved Do you know why? Because I don't ever take it off. Because out of respect for my wife, I don't ever want to be anywhere that somebody else looked at me and don't see a ring. I wear a ring. And that, that's just me and her because I, I want to... And that's what 
fearing the Lord is. The relationship that you have with God, there are certain places you don't go. There are certain things you don't do. There are certain people you don't run with. There are certain things you don't watch. Because of your relationship with God, you want to honor that relationship so that He would be pleased. My wife has never got mad at me if a girl came up to me and said, Hey, I'm married. She never got upset about that. Uh, you want to know when I'm the most proud and pleased when a dude tries to pick up on my wife because I do she's hot um, she lets them know she's married to me <laughs> I'm proud of that I, don't bother me when guys want to pick her up I, I mean that's, she's hot but she I'm so proud that I got a wife that honors and respects and fears our relationship to the point where it's valuable to her if you want to please God, you make that relationship with Him. You don't want to do anything that would mess it up. You wouldn't dare go anywhere that would break His heart. You wouldn't dare do anything that would separate you from Him. That's fearing the Lord. And the Bible says when you fear the Lord, it pleases Him. Number four. We're almost done. Number four. Being submitted under spiritual authority. In Matthew seven fifteen is what we read. It says, And Jesus, when He's baptized, He came out of the water. And it says that God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I don't care what you think or what anyone has ever taught you. I go back to what Jesus taught about pleasing God. Some people will tell you church is not important. Some people say you don't have to belong to church. But in Luke, the Bible says that Jesus was leaving the synagogue for it was his custom. So if I go back to that, I understand that. But here in this story, Jesus did, before he had ever done a miracle, before anybody was saved, anybody was healed, anybody was raised from the dead, God made this statement. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Meaning that he had done something that God was happy about. You see it? And he hadn't healed nobody. He hadn't taught ever. When he was 12, he had went to church. And then now we find him again in a church atmosphere. And he was in a church service. Now, you got to understand, going to church, just going to church don't please God. I think it gives you, God, you the opportunity for God to be pleased. But I've been in a lot of church services. I wasn't there for the right reasons at all. I, I, when I was in college, I'd go find the church that had the prettiest girls. I didn't care who was preaching or what they were preaching. I didn't go to church for the wrong reason, okay? But Jesus, this day, went to this church gathering for the right reason, and we can see it for this. We can tell by His actions. Because the Bible says that John the Baptist, whom I believe in the Scripture, you see the elements of being Jesus' pastor. Because later on in life, you see John, Jesus saying this, He held him in utmost respect. When they were talking about John, He said, there's been no greater prophet ever than John the Baptist. He put himself in a place of honor. All the time, it's amazing. But here, Jesus, before He started His ministry, He went to a church service. And there was this weird dude up there preaching, which I'm sure a lot of you guys feel that way about this church, that didn't dress normal, that didn't eat normal, and you know, they didn't gather in a normal place and in a normal way. And the Bible said this. The Bible says, John was preaching, repent and be baptized. Now, the message that was taught that day, I believe Jesus heard. But the problem with it is, Jesus could not repent. The Bible says He had never done any wrong. Why was Jesus baptized? It doesn't make any sense because when we are baptized in water, it's representation. We're following the example of Jesus, but it's representation of going under the water. Old things pass away. All things become new. Jesus didn't need to do that. Nothing needed to be washed away. Now, I believe this, that Jesus went and allowed John and made John because when he walked up to John, he says, I need to be baptized. John Baptist says, oh no, I'm not worthy to baptize you. Jesus says, no, 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 you have to because Jesus had to be submitted into a spiritual authority for God to be able to flow through him to do what he was about to go and do. You say, Cricket, I, I, you know, I just don't agree that you got to go to church. Let me ask you this. How long do you think a marriage would last if you never had any physical contact? The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. And if you want to love Jesus, you're going to have... And if I stayed in Arkansas all the time, and my wife stayed in Alabama all the time, and all we ever did was talk on the phone, I'm going to be honest with you, our marriage will get in trouble. If me and her aren't in the same place at the same time, holding hands or talking or doing something together, our relationship's in trouble. And it pleases God. The Bible says when Jesus went and submitted himself to that authority, he would allow John the Baptist, he did not, he made John the Baptist baptize him. God said, I'm so pleased. It pleased God. And then this is what the Bible says. 
then began the ministry of Jesus. You want God to use you? Decide you're going to please God with where the church is in your life. Number five, obey God. This is very simple. Obey God. Samuel 15.22 says this, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great a, a delight in burnt offerings? In other words, God loves burnt offerings. It says, As in obeying the voice of the Lord? Question mark. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. God is pleased when we say, God, I love you enough. I will do what you ask me to do. You know, when I'm the most pleased with my daughters and proud is when they do what I taught them to do later in life when I'm not teaching them then. Does that make sense? I'm proud of that little girl. I'm proud of her because, see, she learned to see people as images of God and not see them by the color of their skin years ago. I was so proud when I saw her do what we taught her. Does that make sense? And when you obey God, you do what He's asked you to do in His Word. When you do it, God is so pleased. He said it's better than you doing anything else, better than sacrifice. I was not real good in school. So I, because I didn't apply myself like I did. So I always have to, at the end of a term or end of a semester, have to go ask for extra credit. In other words, I wouldn't study for the test when I needed to and didn't know all the answers, so I didn't do good on test. So at the end, I would have to write a 10-page essay to get enough points added to my bad grades to be able to pass those grades. Yeah, anybody else in here ever do that? I was an extra credit guy. All right? I should have just passed the test. My life would have been much easier. If you'll just... Do the pass the test. Do what God's asked you to do. The little things. Your life, you don't have to. You won't have to be sitting in a jail service, crying at jail, jail cell, crying out to God, please get me out of this. I'll live for you the rest of my. That's a sacrifice. You're trying to the bargain and do. If you just obey, and please, here we go. Number six. It says in Hebrews thirteen, and I'm, one more. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Hebrews 13, 22, 21 says this, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. What does that mean? Just because you've always been one way and just because it's all you've always acted that way does not mean you have to stay that way. The Bible says this, that God wants to do a work on the inside of you that will change what you've always been. You might have had a temper your whole life because your dad had a temper his whole life, but if you just decide it's okay to have that temper your whole life and treat people or abuse people with your words, that's not pleasing to God. What's pleasing to God is when you say, God, I give myself to you and I ask you to change me from the inside out. And as God begins to change you and you get in a situation where you can do what you've always done, but you choose to not, the Bible says God sits back and is so pleased. It pleases Him. And He is so proud. Now check this out. Last one. Number Hebrews 13, 15, 16 says, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continuously. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks in His name. That explains what praise is. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For such sacrifices, God is well pleased. What are you saying, Cricket? When we make a choice to do the right thing, when it's not easy to do the right thing, it's a sacrifice. And the Bible says that praise is used this way. You know, they say this, you're only loyal as long if you're not loyal until you get a chance to be disloyal. Does that make sense? As long as you want to be my friend, we're friends, but as soon as we come to a place where, you know, you might find something you don't like and you choose not to be my friend anymore, you wasn't a loyal friend. It's when you, well, you might not like what I'm doing, but you're going to walk with me through it and help me go through it. That's, that's loyalty. All right? You're only, um, they say you're only uh, positive when you have an opportunity to be negative and you don't take it. What I'm saying here is this, the Bible says the sacrifice of praise is pleasing to God. When you come in church and you're excited and you feel good and man, the music bumping and you're ready to do it, that's praise. And God inhabits that. But it's the Wednesday you've been at work all day. 
and you're exhausted and you're tired and you don't feel like coming out and you know though that the Lord is calling you and you, you feel that you can feel the drawing and you feel like the Lord wants you to come and you come but you don't just sit there because you're tired and you've got every excuse to be but you understand by me coming in in this service when I'm tired I'm exhausted I'm worn out and I raise my hands and I lift my voice then what became praise becomes a sacrifice and when God sees you go the extra mile do the right thing when it's easier to do the wrong when God sees you lift him up when you don't feel like it when you don't sound like it when you're going when you praise God on the Sunday that your life feels like it's falling apart but you can't do anything but raise your hands and just praise God the Bible says that is a sacrifice and when you do that the Bible says I am well pleased and you know what God does when his kids please him I'm gonna be honest with you you know, you, you, you have no idea the toy I'm bringing my little girl back this weekend. <laughs> because when, my, when I see my girl do something like that, I want to spoil the fire out of her. Because I'm well pleased. Man, God has been so good to me. Well beyond any time I've ever deserved. I remember on the hardest day of my life, I was walking around the yard by myself. And I just wanted to give up in every way. I had failed in every way. I'd lost everything in every way. I'd been done wrong in every way. And I remember in that backyard, I raised my hands up and I said, God, I'm just going to praise you. And even if it don't work, even if I go out, I'm going to go out praising you. God began to change that situation that very day. And I tell you guys, I live a life I don't deserve to live. I have a family I don't deserve to have. I get to do things I don't deserve to get to do. And the reason why that is is because I got a daddy that when I choose to praise him, when it's not easy, when it's not right, he likes to spoil me rotten. And you say, well, Cricket, you're spoiled. Absolutely. Take it up with my daddy. He's been better to me than I deserve. And so I don't know about that. This is what I was telling the, telling the praise team. I, this is a hard weekend, I know. Y'all got hit by a hurricane. Everybody thought I was going to. And people calling me saying, man, are y'all okay? I was on the Gulf Coast. And we had sunny weather every day. <laughs> and you guys have been here suffering through this heat. And, you know, some of you got, got dressed in sunlight this morning instead of being able to turn the makeup light on. And you've been sweating, no air conditioning. You've been having to try to... You, this is a tough weekend to even show up for church. I understand that. But I believe God put this message on my heart this weekend for this reason. Because to praise Him today is a sacrifice. And I want to make sure before we go into the rest of whatever this week has, that you get a chance to please God and make Him so proud and tickle His little heart at such a point that the rest of this week He blesses your socks off. And I believe God will do that. And so I've asked the praise team, and this word will go. If you've got to go, you can go. But we're going to do what we call a throwback. I, over the next few weeks, I send old songs to Miss Leah. And I get concerned because I'm a little older than her that she might not remember, but she was doing music way before I was even listening to it. And so uh, we're going to do a throwback. It's going to be an old song. But over the next few minutes, maybe you've not lived a way that's been pleasing to the Lord at all up to this point. Or maybe you've blown it several times this week, even several times this morning, and you say, no, I, I know God's not pleased with me. I'm going to give you a chance to turn that around in the next couple minutes. It says God is pleased with the sacrifice of praise. And the minute you please Him, He starts spoiling you. Amen? So we're going to do this old song. They're going to make the room romantic. This way, if you're not right with the Lord, Nothing pleases Him more than you becoming a child of God and you obeying His Word. Over the next few minutes, you just pray, God, I ask You to save me. I ask You to forgive me. I ask You to be Lord of my life. I confess that Jesus died and I believe He rose again. And I believe that You're now my Savior. Boom! Your daddy's happy. Please. And you'll start spoiling you. If you're going through a tough time, you raise your hands. If all you can do is raise them without a tear falling down your face, you raise that hand. And God will be pleased. And it releases Him to cause a way of escape in your life just like He did in it. God bless you. We're going to do this song. Oh, to Jesus.
Praise God. Well, remember this week. If you find yourself feeling like you're in a dungeon, a jail cell, find yourself feeling chained or, or bound to something, Paul and Silas simply gave a sacrifice of praise at the darkest moment, at the darkest night. And their daddy started spoiling them. And you make this a lifestyle. You get up every day saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm going to please you at the end of this day. Then you're going to find out your daddy don't mind giving you anything that your heart desires. Hey, God bless you. We will see you Wednesday night giving out food.